Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. Good evening, MB. How are you doing, pal? Uh, wonderful. It's good to talk to you. Let's get right down to business because yeah. we spent all day screwing around. Um, so I've got right. some questions yeah. for you. So I'd like to get right wow. down to it. Can we start? We, wait, wait, no foreplay? No, 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 like, no. I don't need, not, I don't need not, you at 48 not. minutes telling me that you're looking at the clock. So I've got, uh, let's right, right to it. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm fine. All right, Thanks all right. for asking. Good. Great. As far as, as far as I'm concerned, one of my favorite stories is you packing up the Ford Taurus, waking up one morning saying, Cheryl, we're rich because we're Russia rich. defaulted. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we've, okay. we've had, we, I love that story. Okay. That's one of my yeah. favorites. Um, so that was 1998. Here we are today, tonight, and there is yeah. talk of another Russia default and a ruble devaluation. Now that Russia is more integrated into the world economy, is is this a big deal? Is it why is this a big deal, or why is this not a big deal? Well, I look. Um, I I'm a little confused. Okay, I mean I'm typically confused, but I'm a little more confused now than normal. Um, I had a very busy day. Thank you for asking. And I got up from a nap about 45 minutes ago. And I mentioned to Cheryl, I was a little, a little tired and I got yelled at because she's like, you sleep four hours a night. Now you're going to come in here and tell me you're tired. I don't want to hear about it. Okay. So I've set a new low for being prepared for a podcast. But what I'll tell you is I got the Bloomberg up. Gold is down $15. The spoos are up 32 points. That to me is not consistent with the default in Russia. So what's I don't know a, where you're. What's a ruble? What's a ruble worth? I, 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 at this point, it ain't worth a whole lot. I, you know, I mean, I, I you, you kind of caught me off guard here because if if you told me that the Russians defaulted and the spoos were down a hundred and gold was up a hundred, I go, yeah, that makes sense. But you tell me they defaulted. No, no, and no. If they do, if they do, if they do. If, I'm sorry. If. I thought you said they defaulted. No, oh, if, it, if, 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 if. Does it not? No, it's over. Russia's over. It's the whole thing's over. So, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> easy for me to say, right? Next, <laughs> next I, question. <laughs> I, no, no. I, allow me to rephrase because, like I already told you, I'm hit, swinging off the back foot here. Okay. Gregoire came over. He raced the cactus <laughs> cup yesterday. Somebody pushed him into a fucking cactus. It, and and then Jason was just here with his son. And, you know, I've been prohibited. I've been banned from mountain biking. <laughs> so, so 50 grand worth of mountain biking equipment just left my garage. And you're the same and, size you know, as me. Don't forget you're the same size as me, pal. Don't yeah, don't I, well, ship that back home. Work on his fucking dad watch. Uh, there was a shot, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. There's a lot going on. By the way, uh, there's been a lot of questions why we split this into uh, two shows. Um, the the first uh, uh, reason is there. There just seemed to be a lot to talk about, and. The truth is it came down from network that they're trying to see if we can develop a sequel. 
and yeah. run it in parallel. And uh, so don't tell anyone, but that was that was our test case. It did occur to me not long after we hung up, buddy, whatever we talked about, triple it. I got, I got so much more stuff. I'm not going to tell you now, but did I ever tell you, like, Shell and I were in a, on a vacation in uh, Cap Ferrat, and we met okay. this couple. The guy worked at a major hedge fund, the guy, and we got to be friendly with the guy and the wife, and the wife ended up stalking Cheryl. No, yeah. you didn't tell me this. No, no I'm not going to. No, we're going to leave that for another episode. But, I, I was going to say, not, like, not tonight. No. So but let's talk about the market. Okay. All right, well, that's what I talked. That, that's why I want to start with Russia. Yeah. Russia dominates the headline. Like, but you said that's 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 not impacting well things it, the way. Look, you you caught me off guard, and I I misheard you. Okay, I thought you said Russia defaulted. Okay, so let's let, let me work through this in my semi altered state of mind and. Uh, Within 10 minutes, the caffeine will kick in and I'll be my old self. Okay. So um, just for those of you keeping score at home, I put in a request for the uh, opening song tonight, which was um, uh, 46 Days, right? And so how does, how does that song go? 40, uh 46 days and the coal ran out. Coal ran out, right. Yeah. So Lee Holcomb sold, sold me, me out. out. Yep. Okay. So I think Putin's done. I think that uh, one of several things could happen. One is uh, he claims victory when really it's a disaster for him and he runs back to Russia and lives in his own little world. I don't know what probability to put on these things. I think that's a possibility. Uh, I think he gets assassinated by one of his cronies. Um, I, I don't think this thing goes on for 46 days. I, I think we're running out of steam on this thing. Uh, first and foremost, you know that quote, when the guy tells you it's not about the money, it's about the money. They're running out of money. and and. I have been, as much as anybody, probably shocked at the global response of people refusing to do business in Russia. I mean, look, you know, the Russian people know how to suffer, okay? Yeah. But, but in all fairness, to take away their McDonald's, I mean, that's, that's you know, right. torture, right? That's cruel <laughs> and unusual that. punishment. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I and I mean, what's next? Starbucks? It's gone. Yeah. See you later. I can't imagine. That. So, so uh, yeah, I think this thing's going to come to a close. And you know, I'm going to give you my boilerplate warranty or guarantee. I'm not minimizing the human suffering. I'm not. It's all a disaster. It's a total unmitigated disaster. Um, and I feel bad about that. But no one's. Generally, people don't ask me about my feelings because everybody knows I don't really <laughs> give a shit about much. But, but we're here to talk about the we're here to talk about the market, right? So, so let's, uh, but let me kind of continue to work through this because I do think 
you know, with that Vulcan mind meld, I think I know what you want to know. Okay. I think ultimately there will be a conclusion and it'll be a truce or there'll be a surrender or there'll be some sort of treaty and the market, the stock market, the U.S. stock market and probably global stock markets will get what we in the business call a relief rally, meaning, oh, everything's fine now. We can go back to get long. And um, I think they call it a relief rally for a reason. It's because the people are a little bit relieved. But let's just for the sake of argument say I'm right. And within 46 days, the conflict in the Ukraine is over. Okay. What are we left with? And and let's focus on the U.S. because I'm U.S. centric, right? You've got massive inflation. You've got huge labor shortages, right? And you've got interest rates, which are highly negative real rates of return. And you have a central bank combined with an administration that thinks rates need to go up. So, um, when the dust settles, we have a situation where rates are going to go up and inflation, both in raw materials and in labor, is going to cut into margins of business. I don't think uh, after an initial bump that uh, manufacturers are going to be able to pass their price increases through to the consumer, right? Everyone's talking about, you know, how much better off the consumer is, you know, household wealth is huge. But a lot of that's driven off of the fact that equity prices are up a great deal and housing prices are up a great deal. So if you got into a situation where you went into a bear market, you're going to have a, a, a tremendous drop in household wealth, which some behavioral economists would tell you people are going to spend less. And, and so you get a contraction in not only margins, but earnings. Plus, you take a look at the Schiller P ratio. I wrote it down. I'll never find it now, but I think it's at 34 or something, which yeah, needs to right. get into the needs to get into the 20s. So if you look at a lot of different things, and I did talk to my brother earlier in the day, uh, was looking for a little inside peek of tonight's uh, broadcast, but of course, you know, securities regulations being what they uh, are, I, I, I didn't give them any inside information. So once the conflict in Ukraine is over, it's like, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah, my question is just I just don't understand why the market just doesn't care if Russia defaults. Why is that not a big deal? If if how does I don't you know if Russia's well, they say I mean, we're it, out of money, you know? Yeah. We're not, oh, I like I like this. They're going to pay back friendly company, friendly countries in dollars and hostile countries they're going to pay them in rubles. I heard yeah, that. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 going nowhere. Okay. They're, you know, it's just they're burn, they're burning through money too quickly. Okay, and um, you know we we I've seen this comment recently. It's like war is is very good for the economy, and so 
Well, yes and no. Um, it's good in the short run because you create full employment and a lot of productivity because you got to make the weapons, right? But in the end, I fall back on the fact that you're blowing shit up, which is destroying stuff. I, I don't see how that's, I don't see how that's good for the economy. Right. That's, yeah. that's the, I think Kevin calls it the, the broken window fallacy. It, it's no different than you come into my house and, and I say, here's a hundred bucks, dig a hole. You dig a hole. And then, then Tommy Gorman, I said, I give you a hundred bucks if you fill Liam's hole back in. And so you get a hundred and Tommy gets a hundred and I'm out 200 and nothing's happened. Right. You know, that, my training's in accounting, not economics. I'll, I'll leave that to the economists, but I, I just don't see how the, 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 the war stuff is good. I was going to so, say, that sounds like it's spoken by an economist, you know? Yeah, the two-handed economist. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. the Harry Truman line. Yeah. So I, I think, um, as I spoke to my brother, he said, do you expect the spoos to open down sharply? And I said, and, and well, like, I've got... I can look, they're up 30 as we speak. So I was smart enough to say, I have no idea where they're going to open. I, I just think a month from now, three months from now, they're going to be down 10 or 15% from here. I, I don't see how they get there. But I think if you look at the charts, it's definitely a trend lower. And these things take time. And what people lose focus on is that uh, once trends are established, uh, they go on for long periods of time. And especially when you get a, uh, a, a what Gar Gartman used to call a, uh, a watershed event, which was, you know, fundamental change in the market. So, um, so Kevin Muir of, uh, the uh, macro tourist, he, he put up a page a while ago, which I uh, copied and um, he showed like the top 15 one day moves in the NASDAQ. And uh, there's one day in particular I'm going to talk about, but in general, the, they were massive moves and they all occurred in bear markets. So you had huge rallies in bear markets, right? So it's always, I think, fun for people when I talk about, like, my experience on any one day. So um, we're going to January 3rd of 2001, okay? That was the biggest one-day move, I think, certainly on Kevin's chart. The NASDAQ was up 18.77%. That was a one-day move, okay? So maybe one of the single biggest trading fuck-ups of my career. Literally. Talk about snatching victory. Yeah, yeah. Or defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm -hmm. So once again, asking for your patience and artistic license. I believe the yield curve was very flat and everything was trading around six or six and a half percent. And because the curve was flat and not much was really expected, implied volatility on options were very low. Meaning, you know, the amount of money you had to pay premium-wise 
you didn't have to pay a lot for these for these options. And uh, there's a side of my family that has had gambling issues. Uh, there's a story about how my uh, grandfather uh, got married to my grandmother and he took her a riverboat gambling and they ended up having to hack her engagement ring to get back to Chicago kind of thing. So um, there's a dark side in this sax. Actually, it was not the sax side. It was the other side. So um, as, as many people know who worked with me, I, I got a, a little bit of me that, you know, likes the lottery ticket thing. So anyway, yeah, I you still bet sports. I cannot picture you. The, the idea of you betting NFL football is so well, yeah, that, like that foreign my, to me. That was that was that was my younger days. Although are I you going remember. to a craps table? Are you going to a craps table? Like to see you stroll into a craps table in Vegas to me is just like, yeah, like oil and milk, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and by the way, if you saw it, you'd also see it lasts twenty minutes because it's like, what the fuck? This is the boringest thing I've ever done, right? Um, so, so let's go back to January of um, two thousand and one, yeah. and and actually it was. November, December of 2000, um, I'm looking at these zero dollar calls and they were, they were cheap because the, 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 the library wasn't moving. People didn't expect it to move. And then we had all this risk on. And generally, as I've talked in the past, uh, we would own a lot of options as protection against something bad happening. You know, guys like Ray Dalio and Zervos went on to call this risk parity. Uh, and I'm not saying we did exactly what they did, but it, it 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 was common knowledge that if there was a problem, rates would go down because the Fed would come in. So if you own stuff that would go up when there was yep. a problem, and yep. it, it harkens back to your story about me saying, Cheryl, I got two things to say to you. Pack up. Okay. So it's somewhere in the later part of the year 2000, I start buying these uh, euro dollar calls for one tick. And uh, so it's $25 a basis point. And um, that's, unless uh, you own them, that's the cheapest they can trade. You, you can sell them less than one tick is an unwind, they call it cabinet, but that's for the advanced class and, and you have to pay for the master class to, you know, that's twenty nine ninety five a month. And so anyway, uh, I start buying these options and I end up, I don't have the exact number, but I end up buying about 30,000 of these things, which is, $750,000. Let me, let me just make sure I get this right. Cause I know people tend to scrutinize things I say. So 30,000 times 25. Oh, so it's $750,000. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, so yeah. let's say I happen to be your standard hedge fund guy. Okay. So if you take 20%, that's MB taking 150 grand after tax money out of his pocket and he's 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 trying to get a, a hard eight, 
right. Which in the Vegas casino, Hard Eight, Housewives Dream. You ever hear the Kid Croupier say that? No, thank you, though. Now I can't unhear okay. it. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm walking around with, you know, 30,000 of these things. And um, I don't remember exactly what had happened, but uh, <laughs> so there's me and my gang on the desk, right? And mm-hmm. it's just, I'll give you the the way our group worked a little later, because it's one of these things you wouldn't wouldn't believe. But one of the guys is walking back to the desk. In fact, I actually had lunch with this guy today, my friend Robbie. Okay. So he's walking to the desk, and I'm effusive. I said, hey, we're doing something stupid. You want in? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I buy, I got the, and, and you don't, when you, when they're trading at a tick, you don't get hit on like 30,000. Like I got 800, I got 200, uh, I got four. Uh, and yeah. so over the course of like a month, I get all these things, right? Okay. okay. Well, so January 3rd or thereabouts, I'm sitting around doing nothing, probably looking out the window, bitching about the cold and the fucking Fed eased out of the blue. And it's like, Cheryl, we're rich times two, right? <laughs> and and now, so each tick that these options go up, I make $750,000. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the ones I owned were, were out of the money, so they didn't go up tick for tick. But nobody was looking for this ease. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Like in pretty short order, uh, I'm up ten million bucks P and L, and and we're talking about a half hour, forty five minutes, right? Which at this point, it's like, I mean, it's no different than you walking into the fucking bodega, and and you hit the you hit the lottery, right? Cause, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's. Here's where it goes sideways. I'm so blown away with this windfall. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I mean, like it's, this has never happened to me before. And, and okay, well, here's where the Kevin Muir thing jumps in. Right. So I start looking at the stock market and the fucking NASDAQ goes up. 18.77%. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If, if NASDAQ's up 18%, the Fed's not going to keep easing. They're going to figure, Hey, we, we did the right thing. And I look, I look at, um, my, my trade clerk, her name was Meredith. And for no reason uh, to this day, I don't know why I did this. I just said, Meredith sell a thousand. Now I didn't sell. It's worse. I mean, better, worse. I didn't sell a thousand of the options. I sold a thousand of the underlying. Yeah. So, you know, if the Delta's point five, it's like selling two thousand options, <laughs> right? And, um, I don't know. Leslie's sitting there, and he's looking at me, and I know he knows what I'm doing is wrong, but he knows. I got it right. 
right? So I know he knows. What's he going to say? He can't. He can't win. What's he going to do? I just hit the fucking lottery, and yeah. now he's going to start schooling me. Which, by the way, <laughs> he should have done. Which it, I was going to say in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, and so long story short, I make ten or twelve million P and L for the firm. Okay, had I done nothing, it was a hundred and thirty million dollar profit. <laughs> So I captured 10% of the move. Oh. <laughs> what year was this? So, and this is what year? This is 2001? 2001. 2001, yeah. Jeez. So you could say, now, if you take 20%, that would have been $26 million. Back when $20 million $6 million meant something. I was just going to say, well, $130 million back there, like, compared to today? Goodness yeah. gracious. So, uh, yeah, so I fucked that up good. Um, uh, what, what, so what, why do I why do we bring this up other than to show you that Mr. Genius here? <laughs> yeah, okay. um, you get these huge moves in bear markets. So the fact that the spoos are up thirty one year to date, I don't know, they're, they're still down ten percent or something like that. And right, right, right and, right, and and this is typical. And when Russia defaults, doesn't default. When the war is over, and it, it's going to come to a conclusion, unlike Afghanistan, because there's too much financial pressure on Russia, what are you going to be left with? You're going to be left with rates are going up. Yeah. You're going to be left with price earnings ratios are very high. You're going to be left with margin compression because people need to get paid more and raw material prices are higher. So um, I, I just, you know, the boy who cried wolf, I'm always bearish. I've always been wrong, but you know, maybe the broken clock is right twice a day and, and maybe that's where we're at. So that's that's sort of my short, long winded explanation of what I think is gonna happen here. I, okay. I does that answer your question, Your Honor? Yeah, 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 yeah. It gets there. Um talk to me about the US yield curve. You said the magical word. Um and yeah. you mentioned that on that day you said what you said that the curve was flattening even on that day in in two thousand one, and well, at that point it was steepening, right? Because okay, you, okay. Had, you had you had a flat curve or very roughly flat curve, which was uh, an argument of recession. So currently, uh, I've got the Bloomberg up right now. The two year note yields one eighty, which is up a hundred hundred basis points, eighty to hundred basis points since you and I were talking about it. Well, a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, you know, that's going to back up at least another 50. Uh, the 10 year note yields uh, 205. So you've got two tens of 25 basis points. That's pretty flat. I, I, I don't know that you can assume we're going to get an inverted yield curve where the two year rate would be higher than the 10 year rate. It's not. But it's not you, inevitable. Well, it's not inevitable, but you do have the 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 makings of the fact that it's possible because you go to Europe and the the, the stuff out the curve there is zero or plus or minus. So the fact that you can move out of the euro currency into the U.S. dollar and you get to pick up two hundred basis points for showing up, right? Because the yield spread between the two. You know, some people might find that compelling. Um, Interesting. Okay. So, um, but we do have 
the yield curve, which is flattening, and it is on the relatively flat side. And historically, that's been a pretty good indicator for uh, a recession, which when you go back to the macro things, what do we talk about? Higher labor costs, higher input costs, the inability to pass through price increases to consumers, margin compression. You know, it doesn't. I mean, look, I'm no Dave Rosenberg, okay? <laughs> but in your simple minded Midwestern kids' view of the world, I, you know, I don't think that bodes very well. And the fact yeah. that on Sunday night, the spoos are up 36, you know, it's, you know, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. This is yeah. the kind of thing Leslie and I would be sitting here uh, going back and forth, watching this thing with glee. And, you know, the best thing for the bears would be like it trades here and by, you know, the close tomorrow, the thing's down 50. Yeah. That, I'll tell you what, you see that, you take anything that's not nailed down, you grab and you get on the mirror parkway. <laughs> really? And you head north. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm laughing at this thing mostly because I'm a little sleep deprived. Uh, deprived. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've changed my diet along mm -hmm. with other things. Perfect. So, so uh, you know, so like I had that disc problem, right? Mm -hmm, Which is, mm -hmm. I'm getting better with the physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Somebody persuaded someone around here that that modified keto diet. Oh, stop. Where you, stop okay. Stop, stop, stop. So I go from being nothing but carbs, right? <sighs> to now I'm eating nothing but protein. Yeah. Now they decided, they, the powers that be, yeah, decided, yeah, yeah. You know what? That that keto diet's probably not the best thing for old chestnut. So in the last forty eight hours, I'm back to Mr. Carb. So it's like it's like I'm on drugs. It's like the fucking. Eat, Have you been eating like your a, cheeseburgers? Are you? Are you? Are you I like had a, a cheeseburger for lunch with a bun. Butt, Did you have the with bun? A bun? I had the fucking bun. I had the French fries. I okay, tell no you what, you're eat. exhausted. I don't, I don't think I'll put you down for your two hour nap. Talk about going off the reservation. If I see an apple, I'm going to fucking maul that thing. <laughs> Jeez. Like, like yeah, Mr. Cash, on the date of, what did you do to that apple? <laughs> um, so let's see what else. Um, we, I got, I got some more questions that I want to. Oh, you do. Oh, no, okay. no, no, no. Well, no. Get through what you want. Get through you want. No, you no. Want. I, I'm just, I'm just yin and yang. And so, what do you got? Fire away, there, champ. Well, I mean, these are submitted. These are submitted. I, from... I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Now I'm just gonna read them. I was gonna try to butter them up for you. Now I'm just gonna. <laughs> ah, just throw the fastball right in my head. All right, here you go. Uh, talk to me about the signs of funding stress in the markets, like the FRA slash OIS spread jumping. Does he, do you think that's a big deal? Are you concerned that spreads would widen even with the even with the global economy flush with liquidity from the central banks? Well, okay. So uh, first thing is, I'm going to claim that I have not studied this stuff with the same rigorousness with which I would when I was working. When I was working, this would be sort of the canary in the coal mine, right? Oh. 
if the funding stress increases, that's a really bad sign. And my gut tells me that we're starting to see some of that. I mean, it, 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 I don't know how you couldn't with this nonsense with the commercial paper in China and things like that. So I would imagine that even though corporate America or corporations around the world seem to have plenty of cash, I, I think as we are seeing some tightening of financial conditions, yeah, I think the low-hanging fruit would be to start shorting some of this corporate stuff, expecting spreads uh, to widen. And and I do think that's one of the straws in the wind. When you see a flatter yield curve, uh, you see uh, spreads starting to widen. Um, you know, we're, we're in an environment where financial conditions are tightening. And as I said earlier, these things, you know, they, they trend and they don't start a trend and end a trend in three weeks, other than March of 2020. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, 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 exactly. That worked out so well. Um, I was uh, one of these charts that uh, I not chart. It was a picture. Uh, I put a bunch of stuff up on the website. And as I said, I just throw shit up there that I I think is kind of interesting. One is this uh, uh, Canadian uh, comedian who is trying to explain to herself what an NFT is. I thought that was kind of (laughs) interesting. Then there's that kid, uh, the Aussie kid who had a party. Dude, that's and a legendary clip. I don't, know is, how, oh, yeah. I don't know how you came across that. I but don't that know. Is, that is, and, and I got to re-watch that. That is, thank you. That was fantastic. I've Take your sunglasses it. off. No. no. They're famous. <laughs> I've watched that so many times. Cheryl hears the introduction, and she just rolls her fucking eyes. And I don't blame her. <laughs> Have you ever seen this? Uh, it's an Australian TV show called Wilfred. Did I send you this thing? You said it to me once every three years or so. Yes. And I watch and you tell me to watch the first two minutes. And then I end up watching like 12 minutes and then 28 minutes. And then like the first time you did it to me, I watched like a second episode. And you said to me again, like a month ago, and you said, watch the first two minutes. And I said, I've I've fallen for this trick before. so it's basically they tried to do it a U.S. version, which failed miserably. But it's basically this Aussie guy. There's two Aussie guys and an Aussie woman, and so one guy is dating the woman, and the other guy is actually not a guy, but it's a dog. But it's a dog. It's a yeah. guy dressed up in a dog costume, but he's supposed to be a dog, right? So this guy comes in, and the 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 boyfriend realizes that there's something not right here. Like this is supposed to be a dog and the dog's getting stoned and he's chatting up the guy. There's just something so fucking funny about this thing. And uh, I don't know why I'm talking about this. So anyway, I know um, there is a picture I put up. It's a page out of a book called The book is called Decisions Under Uncertainty. And I came upon this book because I was watching an interview uh, with Howard Marks, 
And he talked about how this was one of his textbooks when he was at University of Pennsylvania. And um, so I went to Amazon and there were like four copies of this thing available, like 30 bucks, 60 bucks, 180 bucks and $800. And I bought them all, (laughs) right? So I bought four (laughs) copies of this thing. I don't know, like, I don't know whether I made or lost money, but I've given two away as gifts. And I've got, but, but if you look at what I put up, uh, it's basically a schematic of how I view pretty much everything, but specifically trading. And so it's, it's how you get from here to there. So you you decide you're going to invest money and dig a hole, see if there's oil. Okay. So you start at one point and then it can go two ways. There's oil or no oil. And if you get to no oil, well, then that path is over. And if you get to oil, well, now you, you know, what do you do? Do you dig more wells because you think there's oil there? Do you just take the money and, and drill till it, you know, the, 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 you get a dry hole? Um, and you keep working through these decision points, right? And, um, why I bring that up is because uh, it's a great visual in my mind of how I think about making decisions. You know, I've always said like, I'm bad at math, but I see things in my mind. And this is an example where uh, there's many guys who will use, I think it might be called Bayes theorem where they recalculate probabilities Uh I might have that wrong. I don't know. But for me, just how I sort of see things. So that's an example of something that I put up. Um, I put up a chart of the plan to climb Mount Everest. And the reason I put that up was because, once again, it's the process of thinking through complicated situations. Why, Why do I like cycling? Why did I used to like cycling (laughs) and why did I like rock climbing mountaineering? It's because you have to combine physical activity with stress and consequences. Now it's not likely you're going to die on a bike ride. It's not likely you're going to fall to your death rock climbing, but it could happen. And certainly Well, certainly whether it's been bike riding or rock climbing, I've had legitimate injuries. So, and, you know, I mean, I think about these things, right? So, um, but what I like about showing the Everest thing is the planning and how, you know, once again, it, it all comes back to my respect for like the military and war, right? How do you get a bunch of people that don't want to do what you want them to do? And you got to get them from A to B to C in the fog of war. And, and, and so for the world you and I live in, where we're talking about Putin and the price of oil, I mean, I'm not saying we're going to get it right or wrong, but there's a whole lot less at stake than there is when there's bullets flying. You know, and but that doesn't mean you can't learn from these things. And that's why those two examples 
I put up there. Now, finally, there's a paper written in 1962 that uh, it's called something like, uh, let me find the word. It's something called like undistributed information systems. And this is from either like RAND Corporation or, or one of these things. Distributed communication networks? That's it, yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, what people figured out was if you had a centralized communication system, so you had one point and all the information got distributed to everyone else from that one point. If in a nuclear war or whatever, you blew that one point up, now there's no communication. And when there's no communication, it's over, right? So the deep thinkers are figuring out, well, we got a way to protect ourselves. And and they came up with a couple of options. One is a decentralized communication system. And then they came up with the distributed. Now, once again, here's an example. A lot of guys understand the math, MB, and, and maybe Liam, it's much easier to see a picture, right? So there's a picture of what these, th- these three things are. And um, this is the precursor for the internet, with all due respect to Al Gore. Um, I bring it up for two reasons. One is I have found with these sophisticated concepts, when you see them in a graphic form like this, it makes it much easier to comprehend. You don't need to get stuck in the the integrals and the derivatives and the sigmas. And it's like, here's a picture. Do you get it? Yeah, I get it. Okay. Recently, I made the comment how I could shut down the Bitcoin in a very short period of time. And somebody commented, maybe correctly, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It could never happen. Well, the reason I think you could shut the thing down, even away from sending the guys in with the FBI jackets and the handcuffs, is if you look at the... So we have three options. We've got a centralized communication system, which we know we don't use. There's a decentralized system, which we probably don't use. And there's the distributed system, which is probably what the internet is, okay? But if you look at the pictures, right, and you look at the distributed, there's still a finite number of distribution points. It's not infinite. Right, right. And so, you know, once again, let's stop thinking of, you know, snowflake, patty cake, you know, the old children's tale from the sea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking war. Yeah. And and so if you got to take out uh, 300 of these nodes. Yeah. You fucking and and I mean, am I wrong? Is it is it three hundred? I I don't know the number. Is it three thousand? I I don't know. But unless it's three million, okay, you can take them out. Mm-hmm. It, it ain't mm-hmm. like they're hiding. Yeah, you know where they're at. And 
And so that's why this thing with the Bitcoin to me is, uh, and I guess it kind of leads into the precious metals a little bit. What I believe has happened is the oligarchs have moved their money from yachts, uh, gold, jewels, you know, first editions of this and that. And real, estate bought, in, real estate in Greenwich. Well, yeah, maybe not so much there, but yeah, I get your point. So they moved it out of the hard assets into this the Bitcoin stuff, which is why a couple of weeks ago you saw that huge move, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, recently, you had a bump up in the, the price of Bitcoin because there's some talk that the administration is going to do this and that, which, by the way, everything that I hear that, the administration is going to do is going to be bad for the value of Bitcoin. Um, but I, I, but I digress, right. you know, when they're yanking $600 million yachts out of the water, what you, you think like they're not thinking about nicking this Bitcoin shit. Right. Well, okay. So this leads me back to the, the precious metals as specifically gold. Okay. Now, is Warren Buffett right if you take a lump of gold here and you buy a lump of businesses over here, over 50 years, the lump of businesses are going to do better than gold? Yeah, they, they are. I stipulate. I, I agree. No problem. But we're not talking about 50 years. We're not talking about 50 months. We're talking about 46 days till the coal <laughs> ran out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, right? It, it's yeah. like, yeah. And, and, you know, I have gone down the rabbit hole of reading about the world of finance. Okay. So, uh, just to tell you how pathetic my existence has been in this regard, I've read a book written by the guy who was the president of Howard University, which is a black university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he wrote a book about the economics of slavery. Well, I, I read it. And now I understand, I think, based on this one person's view, the economics of slavery. No judgment, not saying slavery mm-hmm, was good, yeah. but it was the business of slavery. So I, okay, so I read that. Um, I read a paper, it was a PhD, about how the economics inside a Nazi concentration camp worked amongst the inmates. So I'm not talking about what it costs to kill the people. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about how did the value of the products trade during the cycle of the month because like on day one, a bunch of Red Cross packages would come in. And so, you know, let's say you got a box of cigarettes, you got some chocolates, you, you know, some canned meat. Yeah, and how yeah. over the course of the month, the value of these things would change. And, and so I, I, I just find this stuff really interesting. And, um, so when we talk about the price of precious metals, okay, especially in this case, and by the way, 
for the umpteenth time, I'm, I couldn't be more embarrassed when I look in the mirror and I talk about owning gold. Like, I, I just, it's like, I think I need psychiatric help. It's like, it's anathema to everything I believe in. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, except what's going on. You're in a situation where any, well, let's say rubles. What did you just say? They're worthless. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so six months ago, if you took them and you traded them for gold, guess what? Your gold's worth something. Your rubles ain't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you can come up with any combination or permutation of those sorts of things, but you're in a period of time where history is being made. And as I mentioned to you, I read a lot of the research and you got the smart guys are now saying you got to own some gold and mm -hmm. it's a commodity. It doesn't trade like IBM. Once these things get going, they, they get going, right? And so when you look at the option pricing, which is the only way I, I trade this stuff, it's gotten more expensive over the last 48 hours. And by the way, I, I think I have a lot to do with that. Um, <laughs> MB was busy at the end of last week. I'll say no more. But um, uh, I, I think there's a shot this thing could go uh, parabolic. Now, um, this is completely uh, out of sequence, but you know I'm a big fan of this um, Dave Cal IS research report? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, they talked about sort of how markets trade, and it – it reminded me of some work that I did with uh, my pal Amir back at Greenwich Capital. And so um, there's a, just sort of a, a real-life example of, of what I'm trying to explain. Uh, back at Greenwich Capital, we had a, a, one of my partners uh, had a uh, relative who had um, – uh, developed epilepsy and they had developed a benign brain tumor. And so this person went in and fortunately they were able to remove the tumor and uh, this person uh, was able to recover and, and thank God has had a, a wonderful life. But right after the surgery of this person, they were highly concerned because after brain surgery, you're likely to get a seizure. And the problem with getting a seizure, other than seizures are bad, is seizures have a way of reprogramming the brain. And it sort of tells the brain that seizures are normal. So if you get start getting a bunch of seizures, you risk the brain starting to think that's a normal behavior. Okay, so that's why they hit these people with these anti-seizure medications, and they're they're very successful, and 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 so that makes sense, right? That mm -hmm. you you don't want to train the brain right. to do. Okay, why do I mention this? Well, so the gave Cal IS 
brings up this point that I had worked on with Amir like 20 years ago, which is if you are in a period of volatility, the most likely outcome is you stay within that period of volatility. And a, a couple of weeks ago, you asked me, are we going to be down 2% on Monday? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know, but I do know volatility is here. And, and whether you look at my example of the person who had the brain tumor, or you look at the analysis that gave CalIS did, it, it's just how it is. It's like you enter these periods of volatility and, and you stay there. And there was a fellow I worked with at Greenwich Capital. Um, this one, uh, fortunately, <laughs> didn't hire anyone to kidnap his ex-girlfriend and murder her dog. This was yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. this fellow, uh, his first name is Blake, one of the very few, if only, option traders I've met that has been a success. Okay. And um, he and I were cordial, never got along great, never had any big issues. But uh, I, I held him in high esteem because he knew what he was doing. Okay. And he would make comments from time to time. And one of the comments he made, which has stuck with me, is he would rather buy high vol than low vol meaning he'd rather buy options that have a higher price because that means they're probably going to move more. The mm -hmm. worst thing you can do is have buy an option and have nothing happen. Right. right. You just, as, as uh, Kevin likes to call it the theta, the theta reaper, which, you know, that's a, you know, I, that's a nerdy term. I, I just, I, I hate saying it. I got too much respect for Kevin, but if, if that's how he wants to roll, that's, that's fine. But, but basically you, you want options that move. And to Blake's point, I'd rather buy an option that has a high vol because the market's expecting high volatility. Um, so anyway, that's a compliment I paid someone, which I don't normally do. Um, so I'd like to highlight that and uh, congratulate myself on being a person that brings people together. Great. Of course, we had a choppy connection during it, and it'll all be get, it'll, it'll all get shaken out in editing. <laughs> oh, no. But, you know, I did. I am running the iPad in parallel. No, no, no. So I, I hit... just missed the in... I'm, I'm just breaking balls. Oh. Um, what I mean, else I'm, you got? I, what, what else I got? I, I, I don't know. It's Sunday night, and... Now, um, all of a sudden, the spoos aren't up 30, they're up 25, and gold's there not go. down 17, it's down 10, and, yeah, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see. But the two-year <laughs> note, the two-year note's, you know, 178, right? We're getting into the area that all of a sudden, mom and pop are going to start getting some interest on their money, and that money is going to compete for a place to live do you want your 178 and two year notes or do you want you know do you want kathy wood <laughs> right right and, yeah and yeah. so uh, you know all of a sudden there's some law of physics it's like everything's got to be somewhere i could prove it to you mathematically but it it's, it's yeah yeah you know, no, you'd, I understand you'd, what you're you'd be bored you'd be bored yeah yeah <laughs> um 
So, uh, I don't know. I told a joke uh, um, at the last uh, show, which people seem to like, the one about the mulligan. Um, could, could I tell another joke, or is that not appropriate? I got a lot of hate mail from the Michigan people that were offended yeah. and insulted their school. Well, so here's the here's the the problem for me. Okay, there's anti-Semitism in the world, right? And if you don't believe me, just go to Google and type "pogrom," and you'll see every thirty or forty years they try and wipe us out. I, I you know. Maybe you don't like my jokes, but to like to kill us just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And and so for whatever reason, I I didn't uh, I don't understand it. But I've been fortunate that I never really experienced it. So on our last trip to New Zealand, uh, there was we were supposed to meet Sophie and Dudley on a trip and the lodge where we were supposed to meet them literally burned to the ground, right? So Cheryl and I, if I told you this a little bit, right? No, you got the couple from Alabama. Yeah. The one that owned like the pro football team. Oh, I didn't know the one. I thought she said something about Jesus or something. Yeah. She she said, she she talked, (laughs) her brother-in-law owns, uh, <laughs> okay. I don't even know the names anymore. Like it it's used fine. to be, like the Redskins. Now you can't call them <laughs> yeah. the Redskins. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. anyway, it's like the Jews killed Jesus. I'm like, how did that <laughs> happen? Right. She goes, the Romans, <laughs> and okay. So 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 here's the joke. Okay, because I feel like I can tell a Jewish joke, but if I told a, a Catholic joke, like now I'm a bad guy, right? <laughs> so ahead, I have please. my go. I have my go-to Catholic joke, but I won't tell it. <laughs> but so here's my Jewish joke. You're right? obligated to now because of like equal time. Well, I, you know? <laughs> so so there's this family business, the Katzes, and they make roofing nails. Okay. Have I told you this one? No, no, no. So the old man decides it's time to uh, um, pass the business along to the son. And unfortunately, it's an idiot son, right? So... The old man hands the reins to the son, and he, the old man moves down to Florida, God's waiting room. And uh, not long after that, uh, sales plummet. And so the old man goes from Florida up to New York, and he's like, son, what, what's going on? Our sales have plummeted. And he says, geez, Dad, I don't, I don't know. I, I came up with this new... Um, marketing campaign, and he says, "Let's let's let's see it." And he shows the son shows the father a picture of Jesus on the cross, and underneath is the caption, "They used Katz's nails." <laughs> so the father's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Fix it." He goes back down to Florida. Six months later, sales are zero. So he makes another trip up north, and he says, what did you do now? And he says, well, we modified the marketing. And here's a picture. Now Jesus is lying on the ground, and the caption is, they should have used Katz's nails.
it's very effective. <laughs> so that's kind of my joke. Good. The, 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 the other one, I don't think I can tell because that's it the involves... the Catholic joke or the Jewish joke? <laughs> well, that was the Jewish joke that I just okay. told you. The Catholic joke... With my, well, my God's dead. <laughs> That's the, the problem with you people. Now you've taken my you've taken my God, you yeah. killed him, and made it a joke. What am, what am I yeah. left with here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got I got dead Jesus, <laughs> right, which so, I think is like the basis of our religion. Go right, ahead. So, I'm sorry. So I'm gonna look. Fuck it. I'm I'm. Are you still with me? Go ahead. I'm, I'm telling I'm telling the joke. Okay, we're past the hour so, mark. Oh, we are. Oh fuck. Go, I, keep going. Should, should, oh, anything oh, wait, anything wait. go. <laughs> so there's these um I'm gonna burn it out for this one. So it's in the church, and this is not my religion, so I'm not gonna get all the facts right, but we'll see how it plays out. So basically there's the confessional, right? And on Correct. one side is the priest, and the Correct. other side is the person yes. is the yes. what do you call the the, the patron or the the the, 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 the sinner the, the sinner okay <laughs> yeah. so anyway something happens and the priest has got to go but he, there's a line right so mm -hmm. he runs out and he says to one of these altar boys he said listen I got to run an errand just go in there and pretend it's me and they'll tell you some stuff and then you say okay say two hail marys and three our fathers and okay so anyway this x year old boy is now and and apparently uh some woman comes in and says you know forgive me father i've sinned i performed you know yada 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 on someone that was not my husband and so this 12 year old kid doesn't know what what the fucking do and uh um he's trying to figure out what to say and he he figures out he'll just go ask one of his buddies and apparently in this uh confession the woman used the word fellatio which the boy had never heard so he ducks out the side and he says uh to one of his partners uh, one of the other altar boys he says what is father flanagan give for fellatio and the, the other altar boy says i don't know he gives me a snickers bar <laughs> and that ends another edition maybe our last <laughs> kevin always asks us if we got about if we're gonna get sued but i <laughs> I don't know how we can get you sued. Prom you promised to protect me, okay? But so. how could how could we get sued? We don't take any money. That's true, exactly. We you have don't nothing. have to listen. Turn the fucking thing off. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. So anyway, I don't and know. If you, and if they haven't, no, no, no. If they haven't turned it off by now, give, what do you think about the LME shutting down the nickel thing? That is, that's a you're going to have to give me three or four minutes. I can't answer dude, that. Dude, take a half an hour. It's, it's, it's well, we're got, over the hour. We're Please. one hour, four minutes. I, you know, we'll put another I mean, sponsor. We'll put another they're sponsor. Gonna, they're going to cut us in the middle and then they'll play like Heidi, you know, <laughs> please. Okay. Get another so fish. Here's the, here's the, the long and the short of any of these commodity exchanges. Okay. Rule number one, 
get the fees from the uh, public. Rule number two, if you're confused about anything, see rule number one, okay? It's all about getting the commissions from the people. And anything else is bullshit. So in this case, something happened, and it didn't work out so well, and some of the members probably got hurt. And then the exchange said, yeah, yeah, tough. We're going to break these trades, which has happened before, not often. But if you're on the wrong side, so there was an example, I think, back in the 70s. Uh, once again, I'm just drifting, right? Could have this completely wrong. But I think there was a grain company named Ferruzzi, and they had cornered the market in beans. And so they had driven the price of beans up to crazy levels, and they weren't well-liked in the community. And the other side were members of the exchange. So they had the local traders, known as, you know, the members. Yeah, the locals, traders. yeah. 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 And then one day they just kind of said, you know, you got to take your trades off. They they either ramped the margin up or they, they changed the contract limits. or And and so they caught these guys, the Ferruzzi guys, yeah. they got stuck to the benefit of the members. And so over the years, from time to time, you see this where something will happen and the exchange will use that famous two French words, force majeure. And if you're on the wrong side, you're fucked. And, and just for sake of clarity, any account you open with any broker in the world of securities, okay, the only way they will let you open an account is if you sign away all of your rights. Right, right. So... The first and foremost is, I believe, you agree that any disagreement doesn't go to court, it goes to arbitration, which is huge for all sorts of reasons. I don't have enough time to explain it, and it's not that important, but that in and of itself is an indication that you know nobody cares about you as an individual investor. Your broker doesn't care about you. They care about making money. And, you know, it doesn't mean there isn't a high net worth advisor out there who's working with you, but his boss or the machine he works for doesn't care. They want your money. And if things don't go the right way. So I'll give you an example of my own case. Okay. And it relates to a question someone had asked before about holding securities in street name versus okay so vaguely remember i owned a bunch of uh bank preferred private uh um, preferred let me rephrase they were preferred shares in banks okay and so not common stock but preferred stock and it paid a relatively or a, a fixed dividend. I say dividend versus distribution because a dividend is taxed 
a certain way. Okay, it's got preferential tax treatment. So I had these shares sitting with my broker in street name. And at the end of the year, I discover that the dividends I received were treated as ordinary income, not preferred. So there was like a 30% difference in the tax rate. So first, I assume, duh, like they made a mistake. Of course, rule number one is a trading manager. The P&L clerk, they're never wrong. So when the trader tells you, oh, the P&L is wrong, no, they're never wrong. That's just an aside. So I finally dig through it. And what I discovered was they took my securities and they loaned them to somebody. And so what happened is the person owed me the dividend. But the dividend, because it wasn't from the preferred shares, it was from the person who was short them to me, it changed the nature of the taxes. So let's say I had a hundred grand income that cost me like 30 grand in taxes. Okay. So I say to my broker, Hey broker, that ain't right. And they're like, yeah, we feel terrible. (laughs) Like, wait a minute. I, I'm sure you feel awful about it, but I'm out like 30 grand. And they're like, yeah, we feel terrible too. And, and I'm like, well, let me rephrase. Where's my fucking 30 grand? And they're like, yeah, tough. So, so someone asked, just as an example, like, is there a book to learn about the bond market? Like, I don't know, maybe, but you know, after doing it for 40 years, I can tell you there's shit that you only learn by doing it in the market and you ain't going to read it in no fucking book. So um, anyway, um, we're at an hour and 10 on a famous, famous doubleheader weekend. They said it couldn't be done. They said it could. So who's the famous guy who said, let's play two? You don't know. It's a Yogi Bear or something. Come on, Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's Chicago centric. That's not fair. I grew up in New York, so I went. I went with Yogi. Yogi's got better. I mean, if you're gonna, if I I mean, that's a fair guess. So you went with a. If there's a baseball quote, I I went with an educated guess. I went with Yogi. You know, you you rolled the dice. You came to the fork in the road, and you took it. It's getting late early. Unbelievable. So, uh, God, I, I guess I won't see it for a few days. Yeah. See what happens. We'll do the show on Tuesday. I'm going to get an email at 5:45 in the morning, West Coast time. Okay. I hope we're not it's cannibalizing. I hope we're not cannibalizing our audience. I mean, if we do too many of these things, they're going to stop listening. You think? Uh, you, you have other things to worry about. You got other stuff to worry about, right? Don't worry about that yet. Okay. Okay. You'll tell me when I need to worry. Yeah, exactly. I'll let you know. All right. You be well. All right, buddy. I'll see you Tuesday. Cheers.